Welcome back to Who's on the Lord's Side. Um, there's something that I want to talk about and bring up. It's a mystery. It is a mystery that we all who've been following, uh, especially this new age and going back to antiquity, biblical antiquity and Jewish antiquity, uh, the story of the six and one, Genesis six and one is constantly coming back up. We constantly have to revisit it. But now when we're talking about Genesis six and one, we know what, there was a flood, obviously. Uh, we know that, um, oh, the flood came later, but we know the giants mixed with, with the, the, uh, Fallen angels mixed with women created a hybrid race of giants. They, they were called many names, Nephilim. We're going to talk about this as well. And that um, they pretty much crossed fear and tyranny on mankind to the point that it was just nothing else for God to do but to wipe them out with the flood. And he saved but one family, okay? And that family was Noah's family. So we also know from uh, chapter 6 that even after the flood, some remained, okay? Now, there were some in earth before the flood. They said even after the flood, there were some. And we know that the spies who went to go see the promised land uh, went in and saw the giants and described themselves as being grasshoppers in their sight. So they were visibly being seen. Now, those were those of them that were originally uh, pre-flood or, or pre-antidiluvian, um, okay? Now, what we have here after the flood is Noah's sons supposed to be repopulating the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. That was the command, right? But somehow along the way, through Ham's line, we get to Nimrod. And we found out, we, in the previous episode we, we talked about, discussing Nimrod, we found out that um, something went wrong here. Something went wrong in uh, the bloodline of Nimrod, right? So what went wrong? And how could have possibly went wrong when... If everybody who got on the ark was supposed to be of uh, of Noah's, supposed to be co-signed for, and was supposed to be in blood, was supposed to be pure. Well, I got to reading, I got to reading, I got to reading. First of all, it says here that, um, I'm going to redo what it says here. This is, the, again, Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, and we're discussing Nimrod. It says, uh, the first among the leaders of the corrupt men was Nimrod, his father Cush, had married his mother at an advanced age. And Nimrod, the offspring of the belated union, was particularly dear to him as the son of his old age. Now, this is something, what I'm going to say next is something that was also mentioned in the book of Jasher, that um, he gave him clothes. Okay, this is, this is Cush. Cush gave Nimrod clothes. He gave him clothes made of skins with which God had furnished Adam and Eve with at the time of their leaving paradise. This is something also mentioned in the book of Jasher. Cush himself had gained possession of them through Ham. From Adam and Eve, for from Adam and Eve, they had descended to Enoch and from him to Methuselah and to Noah. And the last had taken it with him into the ark, meaning Noah. Noah took it with him into the ark. It was handed down generation to generation like a family heirloom, sacred family heirloom. It says, when the inmates of the ark were about to leave their refuge, Ham, Ham, the one who later became the cursed son, stole the garments and kept them concealed, finally passing them on to his firstborn son, Cush. Cush, in turn, hid them for many years. When his son Nimrod reached his 20th year, he gave them to him. These garments had a wonderful property. He who would wear them was both invincible and irresistible. 
The beasts and the birds of the woods fell down before Nimrod as soon as they caught sight of him arrayed in them. And he was equally victorious in his combats with men. Okay. They said the source of his unconquerable strength was not known to them. Okay. They attributed it to his personal prowess and therefore they appointed him king over themselves. Right. <clears throat> now. Uh, it says here he chose Shinar as his capital. And eventually he would extend his dominion farther and farther. It says until he rose by cunning and force. He rose by cunning and force to be the sole ruler of the whole world. Remember, this is the first world leader, the first one world leader. They're now trying to push for the second world leader, an antichrist type of, you see, this person was against God, this person literally using holy garments that Adam and Eve used for good. The same things he the same things he was capable of achieving and did achieve with these garments. Don't you know Adam and Eve, if they wanted to corrupt men and do that, they could have as well. But Adam and Eve was still in the image of God. And so they would not be of that heart. Where we talked about in the previous episode that when Nimrod was attacking God, he said he was getting revenge on God for his ancestors. But we all know that the ancestors who died in the flood was all, every single last one of them was of giant hybrid uh, fallen angel mixture, a combination of mortal women. Because everybody before that, Methuselah uh, uh, died, they either died, but God gave them all their years, or they was taken up like Enoch um, or whoever. Okay, that's it. That's it. There's nothing else going on. So God did not just kill humans who were sinning. He wiped out a terrible group of people. And on top of that, uh, reptilians and animals, anything else that they had corrupted by design. Now, so what I'm basically saying here is it literally says he was, then it says it was the, he was the first, the first mortal to hold universal sway, universal sway. Okay. International universal sway. And then they said the ninth the ninth ruler to possess this same power will be the Messiah. But the Messiah ruling all over and see, well, that's the one world or the whole world or the whole universal leader we want. And a new or next, uh, the eighth one, you see how they say the ninth is the Messiah. The eighth one is the one that's coming. This eighth age is the one of the Antichrist that they're trying to manifest now. I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be right back. Okay, y'all, we are back from break. And before break, I was mentioning that Nimrod is just, you know, and the Bible is very short, but if you go into Jasher, if you go into the Legends of the Jews, especially here, Volume 1, it's very expanded, okay? So he was the first one world ruler. It said that he will not, he was not the first or last, I should say. He's not the last. The last one will be the Messiah. He'll be the ninth, but there will be others um, in between the Messiah and him. So some kind of spirit that keeps coming back, but the true universal leader should be the Messiah. So it says, uh, in my opinion, the spirit keeps coming back. Okay. We know, um, the eighth, the eighth universal, uh, uh, or one world leader will be the antichrist posing as the Messiah. Okay. That's very important to know. And then you have people who have like Alexander the Great who've conquered the world. You have had people who have actually had but that spirit was rising up in him so it says his impiousness or um, kept pace with his growing power since the flood there had been no such sinner as nimrod he fashioned idols of wood and stone and paid worship to them but not satisfied to lead a godless life himself he did all he could to tempt his subjects into evil ways wherein he aided and abetted by his wherein he was aided and abetted by his son mardon this son of his 
outstripped his father in antiquity and in inquity. It was their time and in their time and in their life that gave rise to the proverb out of wickedness come forth wickedness. So that out of wickedness come forth wickedness is strictly uh, or originated. The foundation of that saying is uh, Nimrod and his son. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to go on to say, because I kept on reading now, and we're going to get to the birth of Abraham. Now, you got to remember, by the time Abraham was born, I'm going to talk about this in a previous episode, and I did this when I talked about the life of Abraham. I talked about how um, Abraham was born around the time that Nimrod was still alive. Remember, they still was living pretty long then, okay? And Nimrod was still, not only was Nimrod still alive, Nimrod was still king. And Abraham's father, Terah, was um, under the king. And everybody was happy. Under the king meaning working next to the king, being one of his subjects, so to speak. And when Terah had his son, Abraham, the king, Nimrod, went to go visit. You could say it was a cousin of his, or that Terah was his cousin. He's like, he's going to his family's house with his uh conjurers and magicians and things to simply just say, hey, let's see the baby and bring gifts. It wasn't until they was leaving the house that the supposed, it wasn't wise men, but the magicians, the, the, the people of was around him, saw some stars and, and interpretations in the signs in the sky, similar to when the Messiah was born, but he's not the Messiah, okay? But similar to a sign in the sky that, that was pretty much hinting that revelation of prophecy was surrounding the birth of this child, Terah's child. And so what happened with that is they held it to themselves because the prophecy was bad. One that if this child live, okay, your kid, you know, what you're trying to do, meaning Nimrod was of the spirit of the Antichrist, is one universal thing, this tyrant, this hard and hard against God, trying to get everybody to be against God, what this new world system is trying to do now, you know, just keep trying to do it. History is always repeating itself. They said, well, if we tell him that this child being born is going to literally up up, you know, like uproot him and everything what he's doing down to the future. And this, this, this is a promised child and all of this. He is going to be upset with us and he's going to kill us. So they held it to themselves for about a night, I think it said a Jasher. And then the next day they said to themselves, amongst themselves alone, without the, without King Nimrod, they said, you know what? We said, we're not going to tell him, but what if he finds out later and it finds out that we knew and then he's going to, we're going to be in bigger trouble. So how about we just pick our poison, meaning well, let's just tell him the truth. And that's what they did. And they told Nimrod the truth. And you know what he did? Nimrod wanted to kill Abraham. And that's the version that I read in Jasher, which I know is the truth. He wanted to kill Abraham. And Terah uh, was like, what? You know, at first. And he was like, yeah, you got to do it. Because if, if your child lives, he's going to um, uh, undo this kingdom. Is that what you want? This is the same narrative as when Moses was born. There's always a king somewhere. And they have darkened hearts. Obviously, clearly, they're, they're, they're uh, connected to evil, even though God ordains them. They're still connected to something dark because they always have some kind of soothsayer or some shit that says, excuse my that says, hey, a baby's going to be born. If this child is born, something bad is going to happen to you. And so what ends up happening there is uh, they start to kill the babies, remember? And what happened when, when the Messiah was getting ready to be born? Again, Herod. Herod was like, mm, no, there's always something about there's a child that's going to be born and we must do something. So once... Nimrod found out that Abraham was going to be the cause of his destruction. Nimrod immediately said no and asked her to kill the child. He went home, and I think the Lord made it so that they brought another child to him. And Nimrod, so malicious, so disgusting as a person, thinking he has baby Abraham in his hands, turns his baby upside down and bashes it on his head, slams it on the ground. So disgusting. 
You know what I mean? And I'm sure whatever this baby went through, the Lord had a plan as far as like, you know, this wasn't, it was just was all done for the purpose of at least to save mankind. Because we all know Father Abraham did a lot. But where he was coming from is Nimrod, is his family. Terah, is his father, was serving gods of wood and stone. We all know this. This is why he said, get up out of there. That's why the Lord said, get up out of here, leave your father in the behind. Out of this pagan place, Shinar, Mesopotamia, whatever the heck you want to call it, Ur. You know, get up out of the land of Ur and get up over here. And I'm going to make a nation out of you and all of this and all of that. You see, this is a family. This is one family that rose up out of another family. But I'm saying all of that to basically say that's what I'm going to be um, going into next in my reading. Um, I'm going to touch upon that again. But let's say you wanted to hear more about that and are dying to know. I did do an episode on Father Abraham where I talked about his entire life with people, most of it, what I knew at the time anyway, that people didn't talk about. So now when I get back to this, um, what it is that I wanted to share, when I'm th- thinking about this repopulation of the earth, right, and what happened Obviously, we know that Nimrod it, it was angry, but you didn't just because you put on the clothes of Adam and Eve did not necessarily make you hate God. So that spirit was something in there. Now, what I've started to learn or what I've learned by reading a lot of ancient history is, you know, the children of Cain and the children of Seth were like night and day. You do know that, right? Because it's like they constantly keep stressing or they kept stressing was that Cain was in the image of his father, which we discussed in who was Cain's father, the devil. Or Satan himself, okay? He was of the image of his father. And his entire lust desires, he is, his entire DNA bloodline down to his genetic, to his children down, the entire generations after him, was genetically designed to be trash. Excuse my language. Wicked, evil, and all kind of bloodthirst. Seriously. And it seems as if Seth's children, because it was uh, in the image of God, was the ones that were more pious. Okay? Now, I wanted to go and see if I could find... I could find this. Oh, they talk about Enoch and death too. So yeah, I wanted to, I think I read to you that, um, already read to you in the previous episode about Cain, but it said that Seth and his descendants. <clears throat> so it says Seth was so perfect when he was born that, um, he didn't have to perform the rite of circumcision on him because it, that right, they, they could have just dispensed with it because, um, he was born perfect. He said he was one of the 13 men born perfect in a way. They said, Adam begot him in his likeness and image different from Cain, who had not been in his likeness and image. But Abel was, and Abel was supposed to be the one, you know, because like I said, the devil snuck in. We talked about this in, in, in Who Was Cain's Father. So it says that um, likeness of his image, who was, um, who was different from Cain, who had not been in his likeness and image. Thus, Seth became in a genuine sense the father of the human race, especially the father of the pious. Seth is the father of the pious. Abel would have been the father of the pious because that spirit was pure. It would have came from Adam who was in the image of God. Okay. But when you have um, Abel being killed and then you have Cain having offspring, Cain is not in the image of God. Cain is in the image of his father. His father is the devil. So his descendants naturally by right coming down is dark, wicked. All kind of destruction, so to speak. Yeah, so it goes on to say, while the depraved and godless are descended from Cain, okay, even during the lifetime of Adam, the descendants of the descendants of Cain became exceedingly wicked, dying successfully one after the other, each more wicked than the former. They were intolerable in war and vehement in robberies, and if anyone were slow to murder people, um, they were bold in their basically, you know, they just was terrible. You know, and then it says, um, 
Seth was just a virtuous man and he was of excellent character. And so he left children behind who imitated his virtues. All of them proved to be of good disposition. They also inhibited one and of uh, one in the same country without dissensions and in a happy condition. Never left one another to try to stay together. Okay, and it said, without any misfortune falling upon them until they die, which has always been the promise of God that if you stay in his ways, all will be well with you. Okay, uh, they said they were, and then all the things that they did, but there was good. So this is what happened. So we know we already had two people walking around here. Now, how, now, so this means what I learned later. And I was doing the math. I said, well, then who would have been the ones that slept with the, who, which women was it that the Nephilim slept with? What child, that was the daughters of Cain. It was the daughters of Cain, and I'm going to read it to you right now. Because I was reading about Nama. And all of a sudden, in this um, ancient just history of the Jews, okay? And it says here in uh, the ancient history of the Jews, volume one, it says, um, the pious maiden, it says, no, it says, um, Nama. She ain't pious, child. Just listen. It said, Nama. This is Noah's wife. This is uh, a descendant of Cain, okay? And the sister of Tubal Cain. It says, Nama, the lovely sister of Tubal Cain, led the angels astray with her beauty and from her union. Now, remember, she is, she's, a, she's a descendant of Satan. She's a descendant of Satan already. And we already said that the children of Cain was already wicked in, in the heart because of their father. Now you have the fallen coming. So they already all, you know, I guess those energies are just, she's like, hey, look at them, whatever. They was already looking down anyway. You probably couldn't even touch the daughters of, of Seth because the daughters of Seth were too pious. Nothing bad fell upon them, which would have meant they would have never encountered a fallen angel, let alone beast or birth a beast. Giant. Following me? So it says here, Nama, the lovely sister of Tubal Cain, led the angels astray with her beauty, and from her union with Shamdon sprang the devil Asmodeus. Okay. Now, remember, they was living long at this time. They was living very long at this time. Not exactly um, 300 or something, but over, uh, what, 125? 120 was the, was the peak. So it says here that um, she had Asmodeus. This says she was shame. She was as shameless as all the other descendants of Cain and as prone to bestial indulgences. Bestial indulgences, meaning she, was, she, she craved blood. Canaanite or Canaanite women and Canaanite men alike were in the habit of walking abroad naked, and they gave themselves up to every conceivable manner of lewd practices. Of such were the women whose beauty and sensual charms tempted the angels from the path of virtue. The angels, on the other hand, no sooner had they rebelled against God and descended to earth than they lost their, trans their, their transcendental qualities, and it says here that they were... Basically, their bodies change. It says they were invested with sublunary bodies so that a union with daughters of men became possible. So because of their fallen state, they no longer had their original body design. They had a sublunary, that's what they call it, design of a body, which now made them now able to procreate with the women. It says the offspring of these alliances, we already know, became the angels of the Canaanite women okay, and were the giants, known for their strength and their sinfulness. As their very nature, the emim. See, it says, it says here, hold on. The offspring and these alliances between the angels and the Canaanite women were giants known for their strength and their sinfulness. As their very name, the emim indicates that they inspired fear. They also have many other names. See, then it goes to all the other names for them. The Rephaim, for example, the Giborim. Okay, they said they were called the Gipperim giants because their size was so enormous that their height measured 18 L's. 
they said, or the Zazumin, because they were great masters in war, or by the name Anakim, which is mentioned in the Bible, because they touched the sun with their neck, or by the name Ivim, because like the snake, they could judge of the qualities of the soil, or finally, by the name Nephilim, which is the one that we use mostly today, because because bringing the world to its fall, they themselves fell. So I said, Namaden. So it was Namaden because technically he was a Canaanite. If he was a Canaanite, that means you mixed with the, you technically went mixed because the daughters, then I had to go figure out, okay, well, let's not blame her because there was other women on there. Well, you know, maybe people knew this. Maybe I'm just finding this out, but there was other women on there, which would have been the wives of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And, um, when I looked up, um, who was their wives and, um, what was their origin? If they were probably, you know, of the of the, of the of the of the daughters of Seth, or if they was of the daughters of Cain, come to find out that they're all from the daughters of of of, of um Seth. They're all from the daughters of Seth. They all intermarried into each other, so they wouldn't mix with the with the children of Cain, whose bloodline was already contaminated. So all the daughters that was there for Shem, um, the the wives of Shem, Ham, and Japheth were Methuselah's daughters. They was Methuselah's daughters. All three of them. So it wasn't them, and Noah came from the line of Shem, so it wasn't them. It was Nama. Nama got on the boat, and then I guess through the sons, the sons had mixture, I guess, in them, and then one of them probably took hold, and it came out of Nimrod. That's the only theory that I could think of, because you got to understand that, that, that something went wrong again. It could something went wrong again, because after that, after that, it was just the, the uh, there was just the two, four, six, eight of them left on the earth to repopulate, so who did it? There was not, nothing there yet. There was, I don't think there was Cain's, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So this Okay, no, I went on to read a little bit more, and it turns out that in time, the children of Cain, I do remember reading this, and um, I didn't, oh gosh, had lost books somewhere, and I talked about this in the books of Adam and Eve, I think I believe I talked about it, or some books, I did an episode on it, where I talked about how eventually the children of Cain were able to sway the children of Seth down off the mountain. This was after the death of Methuselah. This was actually after the death of a lot of the great ones, right before the flood. So I would like to correct myself in saying that it was just the Nephilim that passed away. No, it wasn't. It was, uh, it was I guess, a combination and a mixture of both because the ones that did mix uh, and get swayed over also got uh, adapted to the ways of, of the children of Canaanites, which was to be walking around naked every day. We talked about this, being super um, bloodthirsty as uh, obviously sexually desires are super strong or promiscuous. And also, they taught them of idols, stones, worshiping, and more than anything else, the marriaging of interbreeding the marriages of also with the fallen angels. Okay, so there was a time after Methuselah and um, that the Canaanites did. Okay, so this is why they said he, that uh, Noah was perfect in his generations, which to me, because Noah was still alive around the time of Methuselah and then passed away, could still mean perfect in his generations, okay, until something happened. I still feel like uh, maybe they all were. Maybe they maybe they all was a little bit uh, contaminated, but I don't believe that because by the time Noah was born, he was of not he was not of that, but that Nama, you know, saying what 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 is she about? Well, she was definitely originally the bloodline of of the serpent from Cain, who's an image of his father. You know, this this is that thing, and so if you had those three children with him, somebody's carrying the gene. Somebody carried the gene, and it's, it seemed as if that maybe this is why Ham. Out of the two sons, out of the three sons, maybe this is why Ham was the wicked son that was uh, doing the, the, the unco uncovering of the father's nakedness. Remember the whole, the whole like being, 
the one child that would mock the father and, and put him in a situation, which, like I said, there's a lot of different interpretations for that. We're not going to get into that right now, although I am getting into Noah now, and I have a really good feeling this book is going to um, tell me more about it. So I'm going to wait for that, wait to see about that. But is, is that probably what it was? Because his heart was probably more, or his, his uh, nature by DNA was a little bit more darker than the rest of them. Maybe they have more light of them, more of Seth in them um, than they did. Like maybe, like like I said, maybe 90%, Seth 10%, whatever might be. Or whatever, because at the end of the day, this woman technically was is was a hundred percent of the line of Satan. If this is the right Nama, some people say it's not, but everybody will say the wife of Noah was Nama, the sister of Tubal Cain, who was a Cainite and the descendant of Cain. Now, depending on how you read that, if you're not understanding that Cain's father was a devil, you're not going to read that to mean anything else except for the one of the humans, regular human beings that was from God but went bad, who's a regular human. But if you read it now, reading it, what we know about who Cain's father was, and you got to realize that gene went through her into the boat, into, you know, the repopulation of the world because the rest of them was done off in the flood. Okay, you guys, um, like I said, more to come, more to come. What I would like to do soon... Um, let me know if you all would be interested. You all can reach me on the prisoner of the Lord on Instagram, DM me. But I wanna do I wanna do get giveaways. I really would like to do that. I would like to give the gift of books to people because it's important, you know. It doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter what I reference to. I try to read what I read and share, not only for reference, but also for those who just want to know a little bit more, want to hear. But I know also people want to build up their libraries. Books are expensive. But this is something that I really would like to do um, in the upcoming months. So I'm going to be doing that. I don't even think I'm going to be doing that. Just whoever. So anyway, well, I'm going to work on that. But again, love you guys. I'll see you all next time here.